0: Welcome to Charged Up Studio Live, where small business owners get charged up for success. Are you a small business owner? Do you find yourself struggling through the many responsibilities that come with the title entrepreneur? Well, we're here for you. Charged Up Studio is hosted by Market Academy LLC, your prescription for what we call OPA, What is OPA? It's when you become so overwhelmed with the confusion that comes with business ownership that you become paralyzed and ultimately avoid doing anything in hopes it will take care of itself or you put it off till later. Does that sound familiar? I'm your host, Dan Olivo, and each week we bring a business professional eager to charge you up as they talk about the many things that keep you from moving forward with your small business. So are you ready to get charged up for success? Let's hit it. So welcome back to Charged Up Studio, where we bring you insightful conversations with industry leaders and experts. I'm Dana Olivo, your host, and we are closing out our month focusing on businesses helping businesses. Today, we have a guest joining us. Joe Trammell, co-founder of American CEO, a program that provides educational experiences for CEOs. Welcome, Joel.
1: Glad to be with you, Dana.
0: I'm glad to have you here. I've gone through your website and and your program and everything, and I have a lot of questions for you. That's great. But before we get started, I have a very important question to ask you. So are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. If you could go back in time and give your young self some solid advice, what advice would you give him and at what age?
1: Probably uh, maybe at 18 or 19, somewhere in there, first starting college, uh, that it, it's more about people than it is about things. Uh, I was a got a degree as an engineer and coming out of college thought that uh, being smart and able to solve engineering problems was the key to success. Uh, And I learned over the last 30 years that uh, it's all about people, and uh, that's the only way you're going to have any significant success in the world is understanding how to work well with other people.
0: Yeah, but I'm married to an engineer and I know. When you first come out, it's all black and white.
1: <laughs> I'm <laughs> sorry.
0: It's what you know. <laughs> There's no gray area in there. And you learn yeah. as you develop these relationships that you have to put yourself in their shoes and think, okay, they're coming from a different perspective. You know, not, right. a scientific, not a scientific, not a mathematical, nothing like that. You know, it's emotional is what it is. <laughs> so, Joel, the role of CEO is often seen as one of the most challenging positions within an organization. Many CEOs come into the role with vast knowledge and experience in business, but without specific training for this unique position. At Market Atomy, we refer this to suffering from OPA. OPA is when a CEO becomes so overwhelmed with the responsibilities of launching and growing a business, that they become paralyzed and often avoid doing anything, hoping it'll take care of itself. Do you hear that out there? Can you shed some light on this issue?
1: Yeah, there's a big challenge. First of all, many people get into the CEO position, not intentionally, but unexpectedly. They they may start some business and, and they have some success. And, and the CEO position really changes as you grow a business. And, you know, in the early days of a business, let's say you're a plumber and you're a really good plumber and you get a lot of business because you're a good plumber and maybe you have a good personality. So you're able to sell and, and relate to people. And so suddenly you find yourself hiring a bunch of your buddies as plumbers and you're, all your training, all your experience is around doing plumbing. It's not running an organization of people. And so that, that's the real challenge is you can have success doing whatever it is you do technically. Uh, but then eventually you reach a point where you have to understand how to scale that and leverage other people to be successful. And most people just had no, no training, no knowledge of that. And it's not a skill that comes naturally to most people.
0: No, definitely. And that's fascinating. So how does American CEO address this gap and provide CEOs with the necessary tools and knowledge to excel?
1: Yeah, so I started this journey, you know, 30 years ago, Uh, I left the US Navy and saw how a, a large bureaucracy didn't seem to work very well. And I wanted to learn how to run an organization. And so no one would hire me at 25 to be CEO of their company, so I had to start my own and was was fortunate to start a couple of highly success successful ventures that allowed me to the flexibility to continue to learn and grow in the CEO role and develop a kind of systematic way to think about the CEO role. And so that's what we've done with American CEO is take the learnings I've had over 30 plus years of running everything from startups to a billion dollar public company and put that into a a training program that I think is developed in a way that any smart entrepreneur can master uh, if they're exposed to it. But again, the problems most most entrepreneurs aren't ever exposed to any sort of system or methodology for doing the CEO job. So it's all learn on the job training. And you can make a lot of mistakes if you go about it that way.
0: And that's exactly it, you know, especially with the the recession that we had, you know, 2006 through 2000, what was it, 14, 15 or whatever, a lot of individuals because they could not find work ended up starting their own businesses because they had to make a paycheck. And now with COVID, you know, and the results of COVID when they were forced to stay home or they got laid off from their jobs, the same thing happened. So when we talk about an accidental entrepreneur, these are those accidental entrepreneurs. So, after reviewing your website, I understand that the program involves a three-day systematic approach to training. Can you delve a little deeper into the main focus areas of that program?
1: Sure. So, yeah, we do a three-day, and it's on-site. We uh, stay. Uh, we have a training facility uh, about thirty minutes east of the Austin, Texas airport that we use, and so everyone stays on site. We bring in a chef, cook meals, so everybody gets to build peer relationships with CEOs, which I think is important as well, having other people that you can talk to uh, that understand the the material from the same direction. We start with talking about what is a business fundamentally? What what is a model? What's the model you ought to have in your mind for running a business? Uh, That leads to all kinds of organizational uh, decisions that need to be made. Then we talk about people. Uh, we give you, we give CEOs a language to talk about people in a non pejorative, uh, neutral way. Uh, right. We use some of the common personality assessments to do that because as CEO, all your work is going to happen through people. It's not going to be what you do, especially once you get it to any scale. It's going to be what people do. And if you don't understand and have a language to talk about people, Uh, it's going to be very difficult. Uh, And then we cover the five responsibilities that I've developed that I think the CEO has to own. They can't delegate things like that. What is the vision for the organization? Uh, That's something the CEO has to communicate to everyone, uh, both internally and externally, uh, to the most sophisticated people and the most uh, uh, you know, people you meet in the elevator, right? And so you've got to have versions of that vision story for everybody, and consistently communicate that to the organization. Is just one example.
0: No, that sounds fantastic. You know, it's a, it sounds like a fantastic opportunity for CEOs to enhance their skills. Um, the, the, I'm trying to figure out how you fit that into a three day all of that into a three day program because you know and then do you have a follow-up system in place because we know whenever you go into any of these programs you know and you're taken out of everyday life you learn and then you go back and everything becomes shelf help so let's talk a little bit about how do you fit it in three days and how do you maintain (laughs) or make sure that they carry out what they've learned
1: yeah, great great questions. Uh, first of all, how do we feed into three days? I go really quickly. Uh, <laughs> no, there's a, there is a lot of material. It uh, does feel like for for many drinking from the fire hose. It depends on the you know somewhat on the sophistication of the CEO. Um, there's not a lot of material that I would claim I invented. There are some things that I think are unique to our program, but a lot of it's also curating material that's been out there before, but never been put together. There are a lot of great books on various aspects of the CEO job, be it uh, management decisions or leadership or, or other things. Uh, you know What we've effectively done is curate the best of it and put it into a, a systematic way to think about it. So hopefully people can use it better. But I tell the students it's a one year journey uh, that they need to be prepared to go on. Uh, It's going to take that much time to kind of implement everything throughout an organization. Uh, We also offer help in various forms. We do one-on-one meetings with the students after the course to help them answer questions. We have a chief of staff program that we're launching that uh, provides a trained chief of staff if they want that's gone through the curriculum. And these are very experienced senior, either ex-CEOs or ex-executives that can walk alongside if you want an implementer to come in and kind of uh, walk you through the program for a year, we we also offer that because you're absolutely right. Uh, I, I start the class often talking about tennis. I've played competitive tennis since I was seven years old and and I start the class by saying, hey, I could spend the next two hours telling you everything I know about playing tennis, but would you be a better tennis player after that two hours? And of course the answer is, no you wouldn't be because everyone understands that you'd have to go practice tennis now but if i'm a really good trainer what i can what i could do over 2 hours is introduce you to the fundamentals of tennis give you a set of routines to practice a, a bunch of things to go do that if you did those consistently over the next year you would be a better tennis player after that year and so that's exactly the way people should be looking at the course the course is the introduction. It's the fundamentals. It gives you the program that then you need to take back into your organization and execute over the next year if you really want to be uh, a top notch CEO. No, that's you
0: know that's 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 great to hear. You know um, what comes to mind when we're talking about this is is the mental side of things. Okay, the skills based is one thing. But do you bring in coaches, you know, um, uh, business coaches or, or something like that to help, you know, maybe during this three day period or whatever, you maybe have some one on one coaches or something to that effect that could be working with these CEOs to help them understand where those blocks are in their mind.
1: Yeah, cert- certainly self-awareness is a key part. Uh, we do the assessments for, for those reasons to start with self-awareness, not just to give them a language to talk about other people, but, but to understand themselves. We also do a session on mindfulness as part of this and uh, kind of health and wellness piece of it because the CEO job can be all consuming if you're not careful. Uh, you can really, it can really impact. And one of the th- things that I think the program can do for you uh, is give you a much higher quality of life. Uh, I mean, as I told you, I've run everything from startups to, to a public company. Uh, and I still took my kids out to dinner every Friday night and I still went and played tennis when I felt like I needed to go play tennis. If you're running a business and you feel like you can't leave for two or three days because everything's going to fall apart and what would happen, that's a sign that you need the system more than anybody Uh, because that is not the way the CEO should be doing the job. I talk about CEOs should spend 80% of their time managing the future. And what I mean by that is anticipating problems, looking out three months, six months, a year out, and, and, and tweaking things at that level instead of spending most of their time firefighting problems from today and yesterday. And so that's a key test. I ask people, if you feel like you're spending 80% of your time firefighting, you're not doing the job right. And I think I can show you how to do it much more efficiently and effectively.
0: So can you give us some ideas of what you actually, how you actually walk these students through This this three day program to kind of help them understand, you know, what the process is, because that's what we're talking about. This a strategic process or systematic approach. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Sure. Well, let's take the example on the vision. So, you know, that's an easy concept to say you need to be able to communicate the vision to everybody. But we dig into how you do that. So we work with them on what's your mission statement? What's your vision for the organization? What are your values? Uh, what are your strategic objectives out two, three years in the future? And then we show them an easy methodology and template to put all that in one document that can be printed and put, put on every employee's desk or put up on the on, as the backdrop for the company intranet or however you want to distribute it. But we, we, we make them fill out the form, basically, and so that they have something that they can communicate to every employee about what's the plan. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I got this, I used to walk into companies and, you know, usually you're waiting to meet with the CEO and I, I would have entertain myself by walking up to the first employee's cube or whatever and go, what's the plan here? And of course, every time they would look at me glazed over look, like, what are you even talking about? I just write checks for AP or whatever they do, right? And right. so, you know, that's a key component of this is everybody in your organization should be exposed. Have clearly accessible the plan right in front of them. How do we do that? Well, we put put all these things in place. We create quarterly goals, and here's how we format it. And here's what it looks like. And you know, you've done it if you can produce this document and put it on every employee's desk or virtual desktop. And uh, so we're very practical. This isn't just uh, you know uh, pie in the sky kind of stuff. This is very practical stuff that people can take back into their organizations and uh put on people's desk
0: well it makes a lot of sense you know it's why we put job descriptions together you know and things like that so that we know as employees exactly what our job is (laughs) and what 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 you know boundaries we have to work within you know and things like that so how do you um uh there was something I was going to say, I can't remember. Oh, I know what it was. Okay. You were talking about, you know, quarterly goals and, and things like that. How far should this communication go all the way from top to bottom? Is it more your upper C level, your director level? You know, is there a reason why everybody should be able to see what the goals are? The goals and the objectives?
1: Yeah, it's pretty simple to me. Who's doing all the work? As CEO, I'm not doing any of the work. The people at the bottom of the organization are the ones who are doing all the actual work. They're the ones interfacing with the customer, delivering the product, building the product, selling the product, marketing the product, whatever the case may be, servicing the customer. And so those are the people who need it most. So, yes, absolutely. I believe that the... Uh, Goals should be, uh, you know, driven from a vision at the top, but should go all the way down into the organization, so that every employee can draw a straight line between what they're doing and how it impacts the goals of the organization as a whole. I think that's critical if right. you want a high-performing team.
0: Right, and and I agree with you. You know, there's so many companies out there and so many executives out there that that um, uh, parcel out parts of the overall strategy of the overall thing so that you don't see the big picture and you don't know where your part fits into that picture, you know, and things like that. How do you talk to this when you're when you're speaking with executives?
1: Yeah, so there, there are three things. Every employee in your organization needs to know three things, in my opinion, to be successful. They need to know what they're responsible for uh this is not you know if you ask people what you're responsible for often you'll get back a list of tasks that's not what you i did it once with customer service uh exec a young customer service exec that worked for me i said hey what are you responsible for in this organization after they'd been here a few weeks and they got all serious and said oh i'm gonna need to think about that and they went off for like an hour and came back and they had this big list of things and you know closing trouble tickets updating servers all this all this stuff, I mean, like 25 items, they were all proud of themselves for all the things, uh, tasks that they accomplished. And I said, I don't think that's what you're responsible for here, I think you're responsible for making my customers happy. <laughs> and they took a deep breath and went, oh, you're right. And, and, yeah. and that's what happens, people lose the forest for the trees, right? And so a responsibility statement is where I start with every employee. What do you own here? What are you responsible for? Uh, and then what their authority level is, uh, which is different for every position. This could be a amount of money they can spend. This is, could be external communications they can spend. But in every job, there are certain common decisions that they have to make. Uh, the example I use, is if you go to a Walmart and you put an item on the cashier's desk and you say, hey, the, you have it priced for $7, but I saw it for $6 at Target, what happens? Well, turns out the cashier will just ring it up for the $6. They do it themselves. They don't call over a manager, they don't ask for proof because they've been communicated what their authority level is. And for the common decisions that people make in their jobs, people need to know you can spend $500 to help a customer, whatever, within your authority level, those kind of things should be clear. And then the third piece is what are their goals for the given quarter? And if you put those three things together and everybody in the organization knows what they're responsible for, knows what their authority level is, and knows what their goals and objectives are. Uh, I think you can build a highly performing organization. But most companies, as you mentioned, do not have the discipline to follow that simple process. And I know it. I mean, it sounds simple when I say it. It's not rocket science. Yeah. But ninety, I would say ninety plus percent of companies in America, uh, individual employees, do not know those three things.
0: Yeah. No. And and I agree with you. So you know um that brings up another question for me how do you work with these entrepreneurs to help them understand the difference between doers okay and strategic thinkers and you know uh, how, the different types of individuals how do you how do you explain to them how to staff their company with the right people at the right time
1: yeah so that goes back a lot to the the personality assessments we do and the behavioral dynamics we do and understanding uh, that a lot of things that we uh, just take for granted are because of our personality. uh, there there are various spectrums. I mean, the one that most people understand the most is extroverted, introverted. That's a, a behavior personality. Extroverted people can't understand why we don't want to go to us. Introverted people don't want to go to the bar after work and hang out after we worked all day. We just want to go sit in a quiet room and read a book,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: and there, and there are many of these things that impact the organization, uh, risk averse and risk tolerant. A lot of entrepreneurs are very risk tolerant. It, right. They'll they'll jump out of a perfectly good airplane uh as long as they've got think they've got a parachute on. Uh, a lot of people won't jump out of a perfectly good airplane. Uh and, and so a lot of this is understanding that you need balance in an organization, that they're yeah, but being risk tolerant and jumping out of airplanes is fine. But there are times you need to triple check the parachute, make sure the landing space, make sure the weather's good. Otherwise, you're going to get in trouble. And if you don't have both types of people in the organization, or if you have them but you don't listen to them because they're different than you, uh, you're not going to be effective.
0: Yeah, no, and and a lot of times you the 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 matching of say the director or whatever who is one who is used to guiding, okay, needs to understand that there are those doers that they just wanna be told what to do. They don't Mm wanna be thinking. And and now when we're dealing virtually, and a lot of the people that we deal with might be in other parts of the country or the world, a lot of those individuals, they just wanna know, what do you need? Give me (laughs) the details, okay? And, and I'll do them. They don't, they're not the type to sit there and think outside the box or take on the responsibility of seeing the big picture and understanding what is required. All right. Are there anything that, are there any tips or anything that you can give CEOs who are dealing on a, um, uh, a virtual, dealing in a virtual environment to get things done?
1: Yeah, one one of the things we just introduced that I think is valuable in this perspective, uh, people can go to myusermanual.co and create, uh, based upon taking a a personality assessment, it will create for you a user manual, what we call a user manual, which is an explanation of all these things that are kind of unique to your personality uh, that other people might realize. Because most of us just assume from a management perspective, that everyone's like us, and that management—all we need to do is follow the golden rule of treat everyone the way we would want to be treated. And that would be true if we were managing clones of ourselves, but we're not. As you say, I may be somebody who is very strategic thinker who likes to figure out things for myself, and if I'm managing somebody who would rather me walk in and give them a list of ten items to do today. Uh, that's not going to be very successful if I approach it as always getting them to try to figure out what they need to do. They're going to be very frustrated in that endeavor. And mm-hmm. so we use this concept of a user manual of how to work with each individual so that they can call out some of these things that are unique to their personality. I mean, one of the things I run into all the time, I'm I'm very active on the scale, quick to act. And so if I go into someone's office and say, hey, Joe, can you do this for me? And they say, yes, I'm expecting them to start that operation at that second. And if I come back in an hour and they are still working on something else, I'm going to be incredibly frustrated. But that I have to understand is my personality. I would start it immediately. But some people want to think about it. They want time to plan. They want to fit it into their schedule. And so if I don't understand these things, we have a lot of frustration uh, that, that occurs that people need to understand is really just. In, in in natural uh, behaviors that people have,
0: right, right, and and especially when you work within a large organization, where there may be several bosses, okay, and how do you um, how do you teach or help CEOs understand that there's there's a level of priority as far as this work. You know, it still has to be done for everybody, all right? (laughs) Everybody needs you to do it, but at what point do you have to say or does the the employee have to tell the CEO, look, you know, I'll tell you, me, when I worked with a very large construction management company and I was as a marketing uh, uh, director and I was going to them and he was just spending tons of hours preparing uh, uh, responses for government projects that we had no reason or, you know, uh, to go after because there was no relationship there, okay? And I went on and I said, look, guys, we've got to be more strategic about this. But this was during a time where they were worried about, you know, keeping their field busy and stuff like that. How do you communicate- well, that- to these CEOs to listen to what their employees are saying when they're becoming overwhelmed like this?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's part of the goal-setting process. Uh, The proper goal-setting process is bi-directional. Yes, the CEO is laying out a vision and a a, uh, a destination out in the future, Mm -hmm. but they've also got to be getting input from the employees as to how they can contribute to that. Uh, in the best way possible. And that's the value of writing down these goals and objectives. Because the conversation then the employee can have is, hey, we agreed these were the four things I was going to do this quarter. Now you've added goal number five. Which one do you want me to take off the plate? Yeah. Uh yeah. but when we don't write any of this stuff down and we don't plan any of this stuff ahead of time, then it's just this constant barrage. And a lot of CEOs have a little bit of ADD. They want to move things around. Oh. All- <laughs> Shiny object syndrome. Uh, and so that's the beauty of, of getting them to write it down, tell the board, here are the five things we're going to chase this quarter. If something changes, fine, but it needs to be a conscious decision to do right. something a- at the expense of not doing something we were planning on doing before. And that that's the beauty of writing all this down and playing it ahead of time, because otherwise it's very easy to just keep up this continuous list of new things that can't be
0: uh, completed. I just, I just have a couple more questions. She brought up something when we were talking just a minute ago. And um, a lot of large organizations, okay, and sometimes smaller ones, they will have employees self-evaluate themselves and talk about what their goals are for the next quarter, you know, or something like that. Um, how do you relate or how do you talk to these these CEOs about that and how does that benefit or distract from, you know, is there a positive side and a negative side that should be avoided?
1: Yeah, so I, I do have very specific opinions, probably more than we can get into today on uh, the whole review process and management process. But in general... Uh, I've found when you ask employees to rate themselves or write their own reviews or something, you know, that your C players think they're superstars and your A players think they're not very good. So I, I never found that form uh, very effective. Uh, again, the goal setting process, I do think you absolutely need input from the employee. The employee's got to sign on to the goals. That's got to be a dual process. Uh, in some cases, there is a little bit of a negotiation there. Hey, you can do this, but I can't do everything. Uh, That's great. Uh, But in general, I think the review process is driven by the manager in a very specific way that we talk about in the course.
0: Okay, okay, all right. So it's great to hear that American CEO takes a comprehensive approach to the CEO education. Could you elaborate on the importance of learning in the presence of peers and their insights?
1: Yeah, I mean, the CEO job is you know, the loneliest job in the company. Uh, yeah. And it's one of the things that I hear from new CEOs all the time. Uh, I interviewed uh, a gentleman who was the uh, chief operating officer of Delta Airlines. And then he went to be CEO of a relatively small 1500 person software company. And he said when he was chief executive operating officer, uh, Delta Airlines, he had 80,000 employees that he was responsible for. He had over 2000 flight operations every day. But at the end of the day, if there was a problem, he could go talk to the CEO and get their opinion. Right. Mm -hmm. And so he walks into this 1500 person software company thinking, how difficult can this be? I've had 80,000 people report to me. Mm -hmm. And he goes to pick up the phone when a first problem happens to call the CEO. And he realizes, oops, he is the CEO. There's no one else to call. And so Having having other people who've been through similar experiences who kind of understand the system to bounce ideas off is hugely valuable because most CEOs really have no one they can talk to. Sometimes that's why they bring in a coach and that uh, that makes sense. To have somebody to talk to, but to have another CEO who's sitting in the chair, who understands the real issues you're going through, I think is hugely valuable. And we find the cohorts that we bring together, most of the time, they don't know each other going into the course, but they often form fast friendships in the three days they're there.
0: Well, and I find that uh, having a, a, a coach is extremely important, but also having a mastermind of other CEOs where you can exchange ideas or uh, be held accountable, you know, to yourself right. and to your, you know, what do you think of that?
1: Yep, absolutely. Uh, yeah, we we find it very valuable to to have those groups and, and stay together. Uh, and like I said, many of them form, form close friendships with people in the group uh, going forward because they do need somebody. And it's funny, a lot of times, You know, the hardest thing sometimes is not knowing what to do. Uh, One of the questions I ask, typically the last thing I say in the class is, okay, if I I walked into your business tomorrow and was the new CEO, what would I do? And oftentimes, they will have two or three things immediately that come to their mind that they know they should do, but they haven't got the courage up to do it. And, And that can be very helpful, having the peer's to, to right. hold them accountable. Hey, you know, you need to get rid of that guy, even though he may be your brother-in-law and, and spent with the organization for 10 years, you know, he's not the right person now, you gotta, you gotta suck it up and get it done. And so that exactly. is absolutely helpful.
0: And exactly. And you need that person that is on the outside and not directly connected, you know, to be able to see the full picture, you know, So, you know, this is all truly valuable information. And I hope that our listeners are getting a lot of what you're saying here. But we're coming up on the end of another episode of Charged Up Studio. And is there anything else you would like our listeners to know about American CEO?
1: Yeah, well, we just released our newest book called Chief Executive Operating System, C-E-O-S, Chief Executive Operating System, available on Amazon. And it really puts together a systematic approach to doing the job. And so while we'd love to have you come visit visit us in Austin and do a training course, if you can't do that or that's not your thing, uh, certainly you should pick up the book and give it a read. I think you'll find it highly valuable.
0: Very good. Well, thank you, Joel, for joining us today and shedding light on the educational opportunities American CEO provides for, for CEOs. It's been a pleasure having you on the show how can our listeners reach you should they want to
1: yes uh, at, at americanceo.com joel at americanceo.com is directly me or, or just go to the website and take a look
0: linkedin as well
1: linkedin i'm on i'm active on linkedin as well absolutely
0: very good very good so that concludes our podcast for today so please leave a message or a review on any of the streaming platforms you're listening to us on, or go to our Charged Up Studio Facebook page and leave a review there. Charged Up Studio is the product of Marketatomy and Marketatomy Academy, the e-learning system designed specifically with the micro-business owner in mind. For more information and to register for our many courses, go to marketatomy.academy. M A R K E T A T O M Y. And that's it. I'll talk to you next week with another exciting guest. Thank you. You've been listening to Charged Up Studio Live, the podcast with you, the small business owner, in mind, with your host, Dana Olivo. Join us every Tuesday as we bring you valuable tips and insights into many of the topics you don't know you don't know about growing a successful business please leave us a review on any of the streaming platforms you are listening to or visit us on the youtube or facebook page and leave a review or subscribe so you don't miss another episode you can also support us through patreon by visiting our website chargedupstudio.live and click on the patreon link Until next week, go out and have a charged-up week.
1: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.